This is The Meek Informant, your content source for Legend of the Five Rings, published by Fantasy Flight Games. Enjoy the show. Welcome to The Meek Informant, your podcast for the meek and uninformed. I'm Adam, and I'm here joined with... Eric. Johnny. And Nick. How's everyone doing, guys? Good to be back. Yeah, it feels so like good. it's been a while. It has been a while. We are going to be talking about an EC that we were supposed to recap after doing it, and it's been a month. <laughs> hey, so. it takes a while to put, to put content out, and we're trying yeah. to make it uh, all streamlined and marketed with the Meek Informants uh, logos. So, hey, people got to wait. I, for one, blame Adam for going on vacation. Yeah, I was on vacation. And and us for having to do yeah so like you know we've been away from the podcast for a little while but we have been putting out a ton of content on our YouTube channel which is uh, YouTube.com/c/slash/the-meek-informant. Um, if you haven't checked that out, you should please please go check it out. Uh, there there are Jigoku videos, videos from uh, the Discord leagues that we're participating in, uh, and then videos from casual game nights that we we put out from just uh, like sitting in our in my basement, just testing out some of the the cool gear we got, some lights and stuff, and then videos from the entire Saugus EC. And uh, we we are we, tonight. We just started going through and doing some commentary on the Lebanon New Hampshire EC that that we just recorded. So we're going to be talking more about that in a bit. Yeah, so much good stuff. Like this has been like super exciting. I, mean, I feel like it's been a little bit of me being away, but at the same time, you guys have been holding the flag and carrying the torch and. We got a ton of content thanks to Nick going out to the to EC that we're going to be releasing on the YouTube channel. So uh, good stuff. Uh, the next the next thing we have too is like you know we have even more content ready mm. is that uh, we have teamed up with the New England L5R casters and we are going to be doing a meme wars. We have some laughter in the background there based on the way I pronounce things. But uh, yeah, the meme wars, which are going to be organized and I'll say hosted by our good old friend Ray, who is uh, available to watch on twitch.tv slash forward slash dice or death. And I highly recommend you subscribe to that because we're going to be doing the next at least four weeks a match per week of the New England L5R podcasters versus the Meek and Forum podcasters. And these are not the typical decks. These are all janky, meme wacky-doo decks. Wacky. So, <laughs> yeah, so just to give you... So a, what's uh, the first one? Uh, the first one's going to be me uh, versus the champion of the Saugus, the August, Saugus EC, um, Mike uh, DeRocher, I believe is his last name. Um, and that's going to be on March 14th, this this coming Thursday at 8 p.m. Uh, Eastern time. And it's going to be something. I, I'm i sorry, something everybody. Indeed. Yeah. We're not sure what yet. Yeah, so there's a bit of a... Um, it was interesting when we were putting this together. Uh, Ray, Ray originally asked us. It was you know originally going to be this competitive thing. Everyone's going to put their best players forward. And we did this thing where, uh, you know... We rolled. We randomly selected, and and any L five R got to nominate a player, and then we got to nominate a player to play against them. This is kind of a, I guess, a known format. Um, 
and originally it was going to be super hyper competitive. And then there were some opinions that maybe we were true meek and we weren't going to do good. So let's to even the playing field, let's make it these jank decks. Um, but that's hard to quantify, right? How, what is jank enough to be jank? And so some people feel like maybe they have too competitive of a deck and other people are like bragging about how they have cards that basically don't even do anything. <laughs> and uh, so it's mostly just going to be for fun and for, for having a laugh, uh, hopefully pulling off some ridiculous combos. Um, and we're all just going to win and crush everybody. Yeah, I've got a feeling there's like at least two dedicated honor decks uh, that you're going to see in play. Um, I know, uh, so uh, I made an agreement with Brandon that uh, rather than have to like come up with an idea that would be janky, we just decided we're not going to put in any cards that were in core. So we're just running stuff all from cycles and coat and clan packs and stuff. So there's like not very many good cards for Crane in there. So uh, that's going to be cool to see, you know, that kind of stuff. Says a Scorpionian Crane player. <laughs> Sorry, I... Yeah, well, look, if I were playing Scorpion with no core, I'd just be like playing a decent deck, you know, <laughs> like clan pack stuff. It's like, all right, this is all right. This is fine. Crane yeah. is a challenge. So it's going to be entertaining. Uh, hope, hopefully, you, go, uh, you know, guys and gals out there can tune in and follow along for the ridiculousness. Yeah, and, and again, to just make sure everyone knows where to find that information, you should definitely subscribe to Ray's channel, twitch.tv forward slash dice or death. Cool, so um, we talked a, a bit about it, but the, we had the Saugus Elemental Championship, um, which we all made goals for. We all had a goal. Um, do, how, how was the tournament, everybody? Did everybody, let's go around the table, uh, starting with uh, Johnny. How about you? How did you do at the tournament, and how were you? How did you, did you meet your goals? Uh, I don't remember what my goal was, but I went two and three, I think. Two and three, nice. One and four. I don't know. Uh, I lost more than I won, so we'll leave it at that. But um, I felt like my um, I, I had a really interesting game against Phoenix, where I um, made a couple pretty critical errors early in the game and um, like bonsaiing my opponent in order to make them break. So that way I could stand Komoko uh, while they were getting the water ring to just bow her again. Um, but I came back and won that. So that was the highlight of my day was coming back from that winning that game. And uh, I also played a really interesting unicorn mirror match. Um, that was my other victory of the day. And that was a lot of fun. Um, I think that you, I remember you saying that your one, one of your goals was to remember all of your triggers. That's, I did not. I failed. Uh, oh. <laughs> uh, keeper of fire, I'll get you every time. Uh, it was worse than that. Did you I, miss your HMT trigger? No, no, right. it was, it right. was uh, then, my first match uh, against uh, Scorpion, and I played the um, Shinju Ambusher to stop upholding authority. Um, I was already breaking, so it was clearly for that purpose, but I didn't say that I was triggering the reaction, and um, my opponent insisted that uh, that he was discarding cards out of my hand. So Gotcha. Yep. All right. Uh, what about uh, you, Nick? How'd you do? Actually, you know what? Adam, how'd you do? <laughs> uh, well, I hadn't played in quite a while, <laughs> so my goal was to just play 
uh, well enough to walk away with the winning record. I made top eight, which was awesome, and had a lot of fun there. I almost squeaked out a win against the eventual winner, and uh, it was it was a ton of fun though. I mean, I, I feel like that was it was a really fun event solely for me because we all got to play with the new uh, Children of the Empire stuff, so that was like a lot of fun. And I think there were some stuff that popped up that was like, I mean, for me, if you watch me on stream that we had a judge show up for like 10, 12 minutes to just try and resolve the ruling on Haunty and uh, stuff like that were just, it was just great to just see it in the wild because it would have been fun to just play a non children of the empire uh, tournament. But this was, it was nice to kind of like move, move the, the puck forward, right? Like we were playing, new meta, new stuff. People were able to come up with new decks and it really kind of like opened up the aperture on, on what we have to, to do with the, the new cards that are available to us. So uh, for me, I had a lot of fun. I I'm happy with how I did. Obviously. I mean, making top eight was great. And uh, you know, to lose to the eventual eventual winner was uh, in, in a cl- very close game and also a very fun game uh, was, was a lot of fun. Nice. How about you, Eric? How'd you do? <clears throat> Um, I, I was very happy with the way things went. I went three and two, uh, which was my goal. My primary goal was, a well, my primary goal was a successful stream and we, I think we did that. So that's cool. And, and yep. The secondary goal was a winning record, which I achieved. And I came in like 17th, I think, um, had a good day and all my games were fun more or less. And, uh, yeah, I don't know if I really ran into like crazy, coat cards that I wasn't expecting. I, I went into the day being terrified specifically of um, the justice fires of justice. We were on the, we were actually all carpooling down there and I was like grilling the car. Like, Hey guys, how do, how do I play around this car? This car's going to murder me. And then I didn't see it at all. And I don't think anybody even in the whole tournament was playing it. Um, and yeah, yeah, it was good. But I, I you know, I had uh, an interesting like crane dragon duelist uh round one opponent and then besides that it was more or less vanilla vanilla stuff besides a very very entertaining dragon mirror match with um this guy derek who did quite well on lion at the lebanon ec uh where we didn't attack each other for four turns and then i face planted into resto when i got tired of that on on my first conflict <laughs> so good that was my experience what about you nick I did okay. Uh, I came in uh, second overall, so that was um, <laughs> it was all right. Uh, so now my uh, my goal going in was a uh, winning record and get myself a set of those sweet sleeves, and uh, I ended up walking away with a fair bit more than that. And just um, yeah, no, it was it was a great day. I um, you know I had a couple of really really tough matches once against. Uh, Isawa Tadaka and the rest of the Phoenix clan. Uh, and uh, one that I won only because my opponent was not expecting me to be playing a uh, Children of the Empire card under my stronghold. So uh, those two were, yeah. Midnight Rebels, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. He uh, swung in with a couple of five drops, one of which I was able to bow with my stronghold and the other of which I got with uh, Midnight Rebels. And that let me swing back and break his box. So worked out pretty well um nice. but yeah i don't know it was uh it was really uh interesting i uh 
I think that's probably the best I've done at a tournament anywhere near that size. Uh, so that was kind of surprising. And uh, it was a very long day. That's the part I remember the most. Did, yep. I, don't, I don't think any of us faced each other, which is kind of surprising, right? No. That's a good point. Yeah. yeah. It was a almost, big field. Almost always, Johnny, and well, of the two tournaments that we've participated in before this, Johnny and I have faced each other because we just end up being sort of similar in the bracketing because of our skill levels. Um, but nope, didn't didn't play against any of us. Congratulations to both of you guys for top eighting and then top two. That's crazy. Um, pretty nice to have some meek informants repping the the top eight cut. It's pretty cool. <coughs> um, so we, you know, we were, this was our first tournament um, streaming and recording it all. Uh, and I think that it was a, a huge success. I think things went really well. We definitely learned a lot along the way. Um, how was that for you guys? Which, Did that which we've already improved on, I think. I think we've already, um, I mean, I got to give, I forget if it was Johnny or Eric, the, one of you guys bought the the new uh, lighting for us, right? Johnny Johnny chipped in for the lighting, yeah. Yeah. So I think I think myself or Nick are up next for the next purchase at this point. <laughs> but yeah. uh, but, <laughs> but, but I, I think you guys did a great job. I think, I think that, we worked we, we got there early right I, and we def, definitely tried to spend some time to get a little bit of the glare off uh and, and we actually it's probably a time to say like if there's any suggestions that people have for us we definitely want to like take them and like try and make it better and we know there's like always a room for improvement so we're open to that um but yeah i think i think for our first time it was awesome uh we had we had people from australia commentating and restreaming our video which was awesome and while we may have lost some of that commentary it was great for anybody who got to see it live and then we obviously as a big performance we re-recorded that and re-commentated it so that's all available on our youtube channel uh but definitely worth mentioning all of the hidden city roller derby guys like they they were up at like i, I mean the ass crack of dawn yeah, <laughs> yeah. uh yeah, so huge thanks to those guys yeah so that, that that was fun. Like I think that was like from from our perspective. I mean, we're, I think we kind of set out this podcast to be a uh, community building thing. Like for us, that was huge to be able to say, "Hey, we are participating," but there are other people that want to watch and commentate, and they were willing to get up at this crazy hour in the morning to do that. So yeah, that. big props to Simkov, who said he, he told me that his uh, one of his goals for the year was to, you know, do more community building activities and community stuff for the community. And, and so he thought that was a, a cool way to do that. And I totally agree. And I'm super thankful, uh, despite any technical difficulties we, we had. Um, but I, I think that just recording it, recording the games and like being able to sit there and do live commentary in the back room while Nick was playing his, you know, finals round and whatever in a room full of people was, was a lot of fun. I haven't had experience like that uh, since, I don't know, since high school, it feels like. It was like drama club or something in, in high school. Um, that kind of felt like that, like, the you know, I got to be out of the house late and uh, and hang out and have fun. So it's a good time. Yeah. Uh, you know, we, we learned some lessons from the recording, but we, you know, we don't really go into the recording specifically, but I think there was a couple of like uh, lessons learned as far as like new, you know, tur uh, tournament play that uh, I think Adam, you, you had a good point that did Johnny pointed out. Yeah. Yeah. Actually it's probably worth mentioning. So, um, so I guess, I don't know. 
how you guys have been as far as like playing in, in uh, competitive gaming systems. And, and, and I don't want to speak for you if you have, so like chime up, ch- you know, chime in if you're, if you're disagreeing here, I played a lot of competitive games over the years, uh, less so the competitive card games. But uh, one thing that I've always kind of just learned from playing is if there's ever a question, ask a judge, like judges exist for reasons. Like that's why they're there. Like they need a reason to exist. And honestly, uh, in card games, there's actually more judges than you would even want sometimes. So it's great. Uh, so for me personally, I, I know that I have asked a judge to come over in times where it probably doesn't matter, but I just want a judge to be involved because I don't want to be involved in the decision and I want my opponent to be involved. I want the, the judge to make a clear um, ruling based off the, off the game state that we show and can define for that for that judge. And then they can make the decision. Whether the judge is right or wrong, I, I actually don't care. I mean, yes, I might get a little like grumbly at any point during a game if a judge makes a ruling that I don't agree with, but like that's why you have the judge. Uh, so I guess the big takeaway from this is for anybody new to tournaments, is number one, don't be afraid for calling a judge. And I think it's really important to just if there's a moment that you don't know an answer to something and you don't want to ask your opponent, uh ask a judge to come over. And there was even a point that I was in the top eight that, uh, that Mike asked Brandon for a ruling on something off on a sidebar. And I already knew what I already had planned out my, my basically next three actions based off of the fact that I was trying to kill off a particular character he had in play. But I think Mike was asking a question specifically about how the timing was going to work from his perspective and he didn't want to tip his hand, so he asked the judge to come over and kind of rule on it. And like that was awesome. I was so happy for that to happen because I didn't want to come into a situation where the timing was not understood, and I was happy for him to ask for it. And on the, on the judge's sidebar, uh, so I guess my point, I went, point from this is: if you're not sure about something, ask a judge. Judges are there to help you and help your game. So don't be afraid. It, the earlier you ask a judge for a ruling, the better off you are. And it also helps to make sure that you don't have any like, oh, well, I gave you this ruling earlier without a judge involved. You owe me something. Like that should not be part of a card game or any game, really. So big takeaway, if there's judges there, which there should be at any big championship or any big event, ask a judge to come and rule something and don't be afraid to do so. It's part of what the system is in place for. Yeah. Um, I, I had a, my first moment of someone playing, trying to do something kind of like after the fact and me saying, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm going to be a competitive minded person here and, and say, no, like I can't, I can't let you do that. And it, I think it ended up, you know, it was a, a very, very close game in the end. So that, that bought me the win on that. Um, or yeah, I think it, it would have been frustrated. And after the fact, if I had lost and, and then I was, you know, it was because I was the nice guy. Um, so I'm glad that I just was just said no. Yeah, I, I ran into a similar situation in my first round game um, where my opponent uh, forgot one of his triggers. And then when I went to play a card, he said, oh, you can't because of this. It was Master of Toshi, And I just said, well, you know, you forgot to trigger that. And, uh, you know, it. yeah, it doesn't feel great to do in the moment. But at the end of the day, it's it, in, in a competition like that, um, you know, allowing a take back like that really can change the outcome of games. Uh, right. And, you know, you're, it's it's your opponent's job to monitor their own triggers and things like that. It's not not yours to kind of let them have it when they finally notice that they missed it. So, 
Right. I mean, <clears throat> obviously, outside of a tournament play, we've talked about this before. You know, mulligans, sure. You know, do them if you're sitting down at a kitchen table or at a game store, casual game night, teaching a new player. Absolutely, absolutely, mulligan all day long. Um, but you know, in that in that setting, it it makes sense to <clears throat> to keep things strict. Yeah, hold the line. Um. Yeah, and, and don't be afraid uh, to challenge somebody on a ruling you're not sure about. Like, I, I guess that's kind of like my, like, you may still be wrong, but the fact that you're okay with the ruling on the opposite side is what, um, I guess, calms the, the environment, right? Like, if you think, I, I, there are many times where I think a ruling is a certain way, and, and, I, and I may be correct or maybe wrong, but the point is that in the end, the TO has made the judgment on it, and now you have a baseline for the rest of the game and the rest of the tournament, and you just go with it. And, and, and in the end, you might have to talk about it with the TO and say, this is not the right ruling, but that's not the time or place to do it. It's, it's after the event. Yep. So we, um, yeah, we, we just got some new gear that we were excited to share about. Um, you'll see it in the upcoming Elemental Championship videos from Lebanon. Uh, we got a, a new custom double-sided playmat. Um, we got some giant D20s to show off strength in the videos of, of attacks and a couple new lights that we already mentioned. So the, the glare issue from our previous videos should be resolved. Uh, it looks pretty good. We just we just watched one of the videos. Um, the playmat is, I'm super excited about it. I, I spent an afternoon and designed it and um, Johnny ordered that for us. And Well, well so I think we should talk about that. So, uh you designed an awesome play, Matt. You guys did a really good job, I think. Uh, and we, we sadly picked blue, even though it looks great, right? We, we all <laughs> <have red. laughs> um, but I think this is a, a chance for us to just say that if people are on our on our stream, uh, we are not going to require, but we really, really hope that people that are uh, you know honored enough to play on our streams that they honored. will be happy. Uh, seriously, I mean, at this point, <laughs> I, seriously, right? Like, I mean. We want people to play on our streams because they feel comfortable doing so, number one. And number two, that they want to be highlighted. Like, I mean, it's it's fun to be on streams. We're gonna be putting out a lot of a lot of content on our channels based off of the the ECs and local tournaments and hopefully Grand Kotai's Kotai's in the future. Uh that our playmat is big enough to support two players and you don't need to put your playmat down. Now we're not gonna tell people not to, but we really, really hope you don't have to right because we want to showcase our our stuff there yeah but also it makes the game state just clear for everybody to see right it's a clean it's a pretty clean playmat it's not busy um and a lot of the, the you know some of the custom playmats are are pretty busy and it can be hard to parse what's going on sometimes that's all yeah um, yep so that's speaking yeah. of honored guests um we have a special interview today uh, that we're going to share with you uh we actually recorded it a couple weeks ago uh, with Eric Bauhaus, the uh, Shogun. He agreed to come on the show with us after uh, kicking my butt in a Discord League match. And so I think we have a couple of crane-related topics to talk about, and then we'll, uh, we'll cut over to the interview. And then we have uh, a couple announcements after, after the interview as well. Yeah, for those of you who aren't in the know, uh, Shogun is... The, the world champion of of L5R. So at Worlds last year, Eric Pauhaus uh, won. So he's the world champion. And so and this is actually the first of 
seven. I, they probably won't be in a row, but uh, the first of seven episodes that are going to be focused on a particular clan. And uh, we're going to try to get a clan expert on the show to talk with us about how to how to play the clan and things that you should know if if you want to focus on becoming really good and competitive with that clan. So um, to go along with that, uh, speaking of, of picking a clan and, and, and wanting to get good at it, they just announced recently that they are going to be printing the world championship deck that Eric played. Uh, so now it's even easier to get into the game. You, if you want to play crane, you can buy a fully uh, built deck Although there is one misprinted uh, card in there, yeah, there the deck out. Out, right? <laughs> yeah. two misprints in that deck. Oh, two. Yeah, uh, Kakiti Yoshi lost his time yo trait uh, in the transition to being a full art card. So, yeah, <laughs> super crucial trait. Yeah. Very important. Uh, but didn't you say, uh, Nick, that that one of the cards that they printed is actually, or like they changed his deck list a little bit. Yeah, so he had uh, entrenched position as his Earth province oh, right. on Stronghold, uh, and they apparently printed ancestral lands, which is uh, entrenched position is uh, five strength with plus five strength during a military conflict. Ancestral is the same thing, but for political. Uh, That's kind so, of a big deal. It, yeah, I mean, like, the, the whole point behind it is that the yeah that the uh, entrenched position means that you don't have to defend as hard on your stronghold on a weak conflict for crane which is military so uh it it's and it uh the more easily buffed stat is always military so uh you kind of want the bigger defense there so yeah it's a pretty big difference but um there there are other promos out there for full art uh entrenched position so um yeah, yeah. and if you're Let's playing that. if you buy that deck to just to try the game you can always just kind of you know, after you play the first game and everybody knows what all the provinces are, you just say, okay, this is going to be my ancestral lands, you know, and just play it as if it was that. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I think, uh, Nick, you may have gotten that backwards. I think he, he played ancestral lands, but they put entrenched position in the pack. Nope. Nope. Uh, they put entrenched position in. Uh, he played, uh, or That's excuse exactly me, they played, what... they played, they played, they put ancestral lands in. He put entrenched position in. Oh, okay, because I'm on the. Right. I just wanted to check on Bushi Builder and his his deck list that he posted has ancestral lands in it. Does it really? That's yeah, funny. yeah. No, wow. I, I, uh, Don't I listen to us. Talked to him about it after it came out. And, uh, <laughs> he said, "Yeah, that was a mistake." So maybe maybe he just sent him a, an error on Bushi Builder. I'm not sure. Okay. All right. Don't throw shade on FFG. They're going to cut us <laughs> down. More importantly, <laughs> there's a bunch of really nice full art cards in that deck that you could just get for like oh, a lot man. cheaper. Yeah. Man, just for the let goes. It's worth let goes. Yeah, it's just <laughs> Anybody who has, you know, like the three core sets and then wants to have maybe, say, two decks with let goes in them, you can now buy that pack and and have that. And it's that's super great. Um, yeah. The one other thing worth mentioning is the, the way they've done the full arts there. It looks a little bit different, particularly around where, like, the wording on the uh, actual cards is. So it, it's it is noticeably different from the full arts that they've been giving out in stronghold kits and stuff. So, uh, you know, you'll be able to tell the difference there, but you'll still get to enjoy all the nice, uh, all the nice art this game has to offer in that, uh, beautiful crane clan deck. I, I just can't wait for next year until we see the, the uh, full art, uh, fate worse than deaths is going to be great. Nice. nice. <laughs> yeah. Cause crane will be splashing them. 
<laughs> exactly. That's something. Oh, <laughs> you're gonna get rid of uh, your your guest of honor, really? Hey, people are talking about it. All right, you do it for a favor and death. I, don't know. I I I did just play against a double guest of honor with all revealed provinces, and I still won the game. So that was the most brutal game I think I've ever played against Korean in my life. That was so. Guest of honor can die in a fire. So, uh, like Adam was just saying, that it it seems like you know. Uh, every year, and this is a tradition that other LCGs have um, set set up, um, like Netrunner. Every year, the the World Champion decks got printed. It seems like FFG is going to be doing that uh, moving forward. And there have been some rumors that you know floating around um, that they'll be possibly uh, releasing some clan specific packs. Um, we don't have dates or times, or or really don't know how concrete that is but in like a game of thrones we know they they printed up like clan specific packs just for like here if you want to try uh what in that game the stark house here's here's the stark deck and you go play that and you just have to buy one deck and so so we're hoping that they'll be doing that with um with clan packs here but if they don't then at the very least it seems like you'll be able to buy in some some world championship decks uh unfortunately they will generally be not legal for like tournament play because like this deck as soon as it was done being played then like a month later a new restricted list came out and the cards on it are no longer valid because he has um guest of honor and uh miramoto's fury which are both restricted which is now that's not legal but yeah, with minimal card swaps was, you can play it you know he was also playing seeker of air and uh obviously when he picked uh seeker of fire we lost that role so right Right. So, that, so de facto, they will be, you know, generally out of date, although it's possible to be. Uh, but it's it's still a fun deck to play. Um, yeah, I think, sure. I think I think that's the most important thing is I think that the fact that FFG is doing this is both both nice for the Shogun to have that kind of like honor to that person. Uh, but, you know, if you've never played F if you've never played L5R, you basically can buy this deck and your your friends can have a deck and you can play. Right. Yeah, I, mean, I think the. Learning game. like 15 bucks. Yeah. You know, it's a good learning point. Don't have to think about building decks. Uh, so I think with further ado, we're going to be playing uh, Nick and Johnny's interview with the Shogun himself. Uh, so I guess we'll cut over to that and see you after the, after the interview. And we are joined this week by our special guest, the Shogun himself, Eric Bauhaus. Hello, guys. Thanks for having me. Great to be here. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for coming on. Um, so, Eric, uh, you play kind of a, um, I'd call it a pretty straightforward crane. Is Does that like, does that match with uh, with how you think of it? Is Like, what's the overall strategy for your deck versus like most clans? I think um, the main thing is just being efficient. Yeah. Uh, in different ways, right? There's not really any tricks or any blowout moments, but uh, the general game plan is to just build advantage turn to turn and eventually win that way. Yeah. So you're still relying, like most Crane do, on like, you know, people with high glory to be like basically efficient skill, uh, you know, stat sticks once they're honored up, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, we can 
in most matchups, we can honor our guys fairly easily, right? So having two or three glory is actually a benefit to us, unlike all the other clans. Yeah, but so interestingly, though, right? You're you're running Seeker of Fire, which makes sense. I mean, that was the role you chose at Worlds. But the um, you're so that means you're not running one of the cards that makes that game plan a lot easier, which is Soul Beyond Reproach. A lot of people uh, love that card. Uh, for those who don't know, it's a one fate crane event that is airlocked, and uh, it is choose a character you control. Uh, honor that character, then honor them again. So it can take somebody from dishonored all the way to honored and completely flip their skill around. So, uh, but you you don't use that. So, uh, and I understand you don't think it's like super necessary for the crane game plan. So, is it just we have enough other honoring tools, or you think there are more efficient ways to get the same swing? Um, so I think the roles are fairly uh, on the same level. They're almost uh, exactly as good as each other. But uh, the reason I don't like Soul Beyond Reproach that much is uh, if your opponent knows what they're doing, they probably won't dishonor your high glory guys if you're on an arrow, right? Because they expect you to play it. So a lot of the time, you end up spending that fate to honor a guy once. And then uh, it's kind of inefficient. So, And the whole point was to be efficient. Yeah, makes sense. And it adds redundancy, right? Because you've already got cards that already do that, like Way of the Crane, but those cost zero. So you'd much rather just have that or similar kinds of buffs and, and that kind of thing, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. If it was not Rolock, then I would still play it. But um, yeah, I don't think it's good enough of a reason to go with a Keeper role. Okay. So um, in terms of uh, just like how to pilot the deck um you know what's the uh you know we talked about just the game plan of like being efficient but like what do you look for to maximize efficiency on like conflict or even a turn-to-turn basis um i guess something uh that has kind of come to the foreground is passing for fate in the dynasty phase trying to always be the first one to pass um and you can achieve that partly by having a lot of good um, conflict characters, right? So you can sometimes just pass straight away. Um, other things are not investing too much in conflicts that are ultimately not that important. And maybe you know letting ring effects go through or l- letting your provinces break even to save resources. So that's your, your general strategy. Are there certain matchups that are really hard matchups for Crane? And how does that change your general strategy going into those matches? So I think the hardest matchups for me are the ones where it is kind of impossible to win late game, which currently would be Phoenix and Dragon, because eventually they are just going to buy either Isawa Tadaka or Togashi Mitsu and uh run you over it doesn't really matter how much you are ahead at that point uh when they come out so you more or less have to be quick um but against other clans um it pays to not be quick so you have to really think about who you're playing against so if you're up against dragon or phoenix what cards are you looking for that 
help accelerate your game plan that you don't necessarily care as much about seeing in other matchups? So in Crane Against Dragon, I think the most obvious uh, card is Cautious Scout, because you can attack their provinces without uh, flipping Restoration of Balance and then having to discard 10 cards. Um, and that is really the only matchup I think that Cautious Scout is very good. Uh, the character was not really played initially, even though it was in the core set, um, because the stats are just 2-0 for two fate, so you're not really getting much there. But specifically for the dragon matchup, the ability to blank provinces is very good. So uh, I would always mulligan everything for a cautious scout, and even in your conflict deck, mulligan a lot for let go, just in case they have out of mind. Um, and if you don't get the scout, then you have to kind of think about how you're going to deal with restoration of balance. You have to either attack twice in turn one, or maybe find a province that you can keep attacking for a long time. And then the other one is Phoenix. I think um, one card that is really good in that matchup is Assassination, because a lot of the low-cost Phoenix characters are very good, so they probably want to put one or even two fate on them. And killing that character turn one with Assassination can really get things rolling for you. Yeah, so um, yeah, the Cautious Scout into Restoration is kind of like a good example of what you're talking about with like compounding advantage, right? Where really that's like neutralizing disadvantage, I guess, more than giving you an advantage, right? Because if you're trying to conserve cards and conserve effects and things and you face plant into Restoration of Balance, you know, second or third turn, then uh, yeah, you're going to be discarding a lot of cards and just be like totally down on the card advantage. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's a big problem. You want to draw five every turn, so you will yeah. discard way too many cards. Yeah. Um, so uh, are there any, like, you, you said this is kind of like a, uh, well, I think I said actually, it was kind of a straightforward deck. Um, so it, are there any, like, specific tricks that uh, you can think of that, you know, Crane might use uh, that, somebody going up against Crane should really be on the lookout for. I mean, like, there's kind of obvious ones, like Voice of Honor, if they if your opponent has more honored guys than you, be on the lookout for that. But anything, like, kind of weird, like, rules interactions you can think of? Uh, I guess one more very clear one is uh, Steward of Law and For Shame, where you can just force someone to bow because they cannot dishonor. Um, beside that, I think if you're playing against Crane, the big thing you have to watch out for is Magistrate Station, right? Flipping it at the correct time. Um, and one more card to think about is Noble Sacrifice. It's normally at least 1x in every Crane deck. So you have to kind of respect that. Yeah, yeah. The 1x just keeps people honest. Yeah, so if you ever have a Dishonored guy lying around, you have to uh, keep that in mind. So any... Any cards that have come out with Children of the Empire or even spoiler cards from the new Crane pack that you see changing the Crane clan significantly? Uh, in Children of the Empire, we have a bunch of good cards. I think it was a really good pack for Crane. We have um, Kakita Toshimoko, who is a four-cost, four-three, uh, that as a 
an interrupt to losing a conflict can duel a character of your opponent's choice to equalize the conflict to zero zero. So his yeah, his ability is on losing, so it's slightly awkward to want to lose conflicts with a character that is that big. Uh, but in a lot of cases, your opponent just has to pay a bunch of honor to win a conflict they really want to. So that can be really good. Um, along with him, there is Kikita Dojo. That makes... Um, I guess I should explain the card. It's um, a holding that lets you do a military duel to stop the loser from triggering abilities. But the real thing is that if the winner is a duelist, then the loser also has to bow. So you can really... And and crane decks have a pretty good selection of duelists between Doji Challenger, Toshimoko is a duelist, uh, Kakita Kaizen, uh, and the Sensei, the Tengu Sensei. Yeah, exactly. If you just pick three of those four, then uh, you should be good. That should be enough. Does that change the crane game plan? Um, I mean, in the in the kind of standard decks, I don't think it really changes that much, right? Because um, the main change is that you have Toshimoko now, so you are maybe a bit better at defending than attacking. But you're going to always choose when you buy him. So if you are against a clan like Dragon or Phoenix and you have to really push your advantage, then maybe it's not such a good time to buy him. Um, but in Children of the Empire, there were also more dueling cards. Uh, the main one, I think, is Proving Ground, which is a holding that lets you draw a card when you win a duel. And it has a limit of twice per round. So if you are doing enough duels, then you can draw two cards every round, which is really busted. I think for me, the decks that I like to play, they will be roughly the same with just some new cards in. Um, you, you definitely can. Uh, build very different decks now, though. Like, if you go heavy on the dueling, you can also maybe try to win by honor or dishonor, because you have a, an obvious avenue to take their honor. So can you talk a little bit about the other viable archetypes for Crane, uh, especially with some of the new cards that are out? You know, talk about how you might build an honor-running deck or a dishonor deck in Crane? Uh, one that has been around for a while is just Splashing Scorpion, so you can more easily dishonor your opponents to use the Noble Sacrifice and kill them that way. And that's more of a controlling deck, I think, where you just, you're not as proactive, but you try to um, just win the long game. And with dueling, one thing you can do is use uh, Miramoto Daisho, which is also from Children of the Empire. Uh, which is a two-cost attachment, uh, which gives plus two, plus two, and its text is that your opponents cannot bid one or five in duels, which means you are draining one honor every duel you do. So I've seen a lot of people try to kind of break that, where you get your opponent to maybe five or six, and then suddenly in one conflict you equip a die show and do five duels, and then they die. Yeah, kind of difficult to pull off, right? Because that means you have five duels that you can trigger and the two fate to spend on the Miramoto Daisho and all that. But it's definitely something that people are working with. So 
something to be yeah, on the lookout I for. Think the, I think the hardest part is getting them to five in the first place. Yeah, that's true. It's a little bit easier on like Scorpion Splash or something, but obviously then you can't get access to the Miramoto Daisho, which is a, a dragon card. So, yeah, exactly. So, uh, yeah. So, how do you practice? Like, what what's your like training regimen? Do you like play with a specific play group of people, or are you just like slamming random games onto Goku, or like what's the? Yeah, how do you, how do you get ready for like a tournament? Um, I like to just play a lot of games, mostly. And then um, most are random games on Jagoku, I guess. Uh, a lot of them are also some practice partners that I know are good players, so we can get um, maybe slightly more stable quality of games than just joining random lobbies. And then I do also play in paper. Um, I have a pretty good group we meet almost every week, so... Um, I think it's quite important to have that because the tournaments in the end are in paper and there is differences between how you play. So, Yeah, um, Goku gives you all the prompts and everything for your Seeker Fade and all that, and even Keeper Fade. I'd never yeah, remember exactly. that in paper. So, Yeah. Um, so, and uh, it, if you're playing like random lobbies, I'm sure you see like new players and things like that often too. So like what's like a common mistake that you'll see like new players making uh, that you know you instantly know like okay that's somebody who hasn't played you know more than 20 30 games or something like that um the main mark i think of newer players is just over investment in conflicts especially early on in the game um yeah just trying to win battles too hard just like spending important cards too early. Um, like with Phoenix players, you see that a lot with Supernatural Storm, which I think the, the scariest thing they can do with that is hold on to them for a very long time, and then when they attack your stronghold, they can suddenly play two storms and um, recur another one with their stronghold to get something like plus 18. Um, and a lot of clans kind of have cards like that, which are really critical cards and you should only use them if you absolutely have to or you're going to win the game. Like for Crane, I think to a certain extent way if the Crane falls in that category, I often see people using it a lot faster than I would. Like if I'm uh, using Way of the Crane on a character that does not have at least let's say two fate on it remaining and two glory, then it feels a bit wasteful. Whereas I think a lot of newer players would, um, for example, just buy a Cautious Scout turn one, and then they have a way of the Crane and a Voice of Honor in hand, so they figure, well, I can use this if I have more on a character, so let's just use it. Yeah, and you can get into thinking on like short-term, short-term ways, especially with Cautious Scout in particular, because a lot of times you think, all right, well, I buy him, I put a Fate on him, Let's throw away the crane on him so that I can spend Voice of Honor to cancel like an assassination. But like when you think about how much you just spent, right? Two fate for the character, one fate on it, a card to honor it, and then maybe a card to protect it. That's a lot to get three military skill and you know two attacks out of it. Yeah, exactly. You might be better off in the long run having those cards in your hand still. Yeah. So um 
this uh, this match between you and Johnny took place uh, in the Discord Cup. So uh, obviously, like the the competition in the Discord League is can get pretty fierce, right? I mean, you're playing, Johnny's playing, who's been playing a couple of months now. Uh, so it's a broad uh, base. Do you do you think that's a good place for new players to like cut their teeth? Uh, yeah, definitely. It's probably the best place, even because um, a lot of the uh, best players play there, but there's also a lot of less experienced players. So um, you can really get varied matches, I think, and you maybe have a slightly better idea what you're getting into than random matches. Um, so yeah, if you're looking to improve, then signing up for a league is definitely a thing I would do. You know, you just get matched with seven other people. You will probably get a mix of um, how long they've been playing and how good they have become. Um, and then you just have seven matches to play at some point. It's uh, really good practice. Yeah, I've really enjoyed... Obviously, this is only my second season in the, in the league right now, but uh, the hardest part has been scheduling sometimes when you're not necessarily matched up with people in your time zone but other than that i mean it's been great i think most of the players that i've been matched up against have been playing for a lot longer than me so uh, i've gotten some really tough games in learned a lot as a new player yeah exactly and for the for the group stage you have a whole month to find a time to play right so it should be doable hopefully yeah so eric do you uh i, I wanted to ask you a couple of questions about um, my strategy in in our game. Do you remember the first turn well enough for me to ask you some specific questions? Uh, I think I remember most things. Yeah. So I I saw Shahai, and I actually think I might have screwed up in the mulligan phase. But I kept Shahai instead of mulliganing for some smaller guys because I thought I'll spend all my fate on Shahai, and if you end up having a brash samurai. I will be able to covert it. And then if, if you favor balloon or something like that, I could assassinate you before you can turn on Voice of Honor to stop me. And I think part of that thinking was because I just played a game against Nick where a similar thing happened, but he got the first action and turned on Voice of Honor and then canceled my assassinate. So... That's what I was thinking going into that first turn, but I didn't end up drawing an assassinate. Right, yeah. And you you still favorable grounded in. Were you thinking about that at all when you pulled your cautious scout in? Um, or not cautious scout, your uh, brash samurai. Well, the thing is, if you do have the assassinate, then it doesn't really matter what I do with the favorable ground. I'm not going to use it on anything else this turn, so um, I might as well hope you don't have it. Right, because um, you can still assassinate the Brash Samurai even if he's not participating. True. Right. I didn't think. Yeah, I didn't think about that. So right. So there was no there was no downside to pulling him in. So you just had to cross your fingers and hope that I didn't have it. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Okay. So that was that was my original game plan. I didn't have it, but I was. I guess I wasn't thinking about the fact that there was no reason for you not to pull him in. So I was crossing my fingers, hoping that you'd think I had to assassinate and not do it. And uh, and when you did pull him in, I sort of hit the panic button, right? I played a Jin for basically plus four strength, 
to get my battle maiden to be a three yeah. and Shahai to be a three. And then I forgot that they were set and I started playing katanas out and I just, it's all sort of started to crumble because the way I had seen it going wasn't how it was going. And I just sort of panicked. And I think you were able to really take advantage of that. And uh, I think the next turn you just, you took over uh, with your, well, that turn you took over with your um, a menacing iron warrior and, and you just had magistrate station and an honored menacing iron warrior just sort of sweeping the floor with me from then on. What what should I have done differently when I hit Magistrate Station on that turn one? Um, I think the first thing it, uh, would be to... I thought about this during the game. Maybe think about passing your first conflict. So then you're kind of forcing me to pass one as well because I want to keep my Burst Samurai as a defender and not attack with it. Um... Beyond that, um, I mean, obviously, playing the katanas after was um, a mistake, <laughs> but, you know. Right. Um, so that's a good point. So passing, so as a second player, if I just passed my first conflict, you'd be in a position there to have to make a decision to either attack with the Brash Samurai or pass both conflicts that turn. Yeah, exactly, because I had already passed one, right? So... And you could potentially still get two with uh, the Unicorn Stronghold. Right. And even if I didn't, I guess at that point, I'm going first next turn. So even with Magistrate Station, if I flip that over on my second conflict, you don't get the opportunity to use it until after my first conflict on the next turn. Yeah, exactly. That's a very important difference. And I I guess I should jump in here and say that... uh, uh, you can find a recording of this, I believe. Uh, we uh, we did a stream of this with uh, Ray, uh, who is uh, Dicer Death on Twitch. Um, so you can check out his channel. Uh, he has a recording of the uh, the stream. So if people want to get a like clearer idea of what happened turn to turn, that's a uh, that's a pretty good place to start. When we were looking at it from the outside, that is kind of the conflict where I think it makes sense to throw the kitchen sink at your opponent because they're definitely walking out of it with an honored brash samurai. Uh, and if they can stop the break, then they're going to have magistrate station up and that can really compound to the crane uh, player's advantage because you can just stand an honored character every turn. You get double use out of them. And, you know, in a deck that's about that incremental advantage, getting, you know, double use out of a big honored character is, is huge. Right. So like, I, I guess we, we were kind of looking at it from the outside and going, well, you know, I I understand why you would throw every card in your hand at this conflict, right? Because breaking at turn one could be the difference between serious tempo swings or and, and being able to make good use of your stronghold or not, right? Does that does that make sense? Yeah, I think it was fair enough to uh, spend all the cards on a conflict once you know that it is Magistrate Station. Um, I'm not sure if maybe it could have been possible to do political instead, but then you probably wouldn't have anything to boost it, so that would probably also not make a break. Yeah, and I think looking back on it, had I, I think passing that first conflict would have been key, and then throwing everything in the kitchen sink at it on my second conflict, but also if I had played 
if I hadn't panicked so quickly and played things in a different order, I think I could have gotten over the top of you potentially, but playing Jin just to get a plus three on my battle maiden recruit was a mistake uh, because I could get the same value out of the two katanas that I played afterwards. Yeah, you probably could have uh, forced me to play the Art Warrior first and then use the Jin. Right. Something like that. So I think throwing everything at you may have been the right move, but I think, yeah, doing it on my second conflict, knowing that I'm going to go first next turn, and I basically have two, two conflicts in which to try to break it before you have a chance to use it. Yeah, or one other thing you could yeah, even do is just not attack at all. Right, there's no reason that you have to attack turn one, even if you are playing Unicorn. I think I was a little bit concerned with you having six fate to my one fate, I believe is what it was, and going into turn two with you having that big of a fate advantage. That much fate and being able to hold the favorable ground. I mean, you, you forced the use of that, right, which could be used to you know pull a guy out if he hits like an upholding authority or some other type of uh province that you don't want to break or, or something like that i yeah i i think it's worthwhile to attack there especially for an aggressive clan like unicorn uh but yeah the order i was also concerned that you had a uh the reason i attacked that province was it was underneath a, a guest of honor and i was worried about a guest of honor coming out with a bunch of fate on it turn two yeah, that's that's fair enough. You're probably right that you should attack. Um, yeah, I mean, you have to also keep in mind that it was only one in four to hit the station, right? It could have easily been something else. Yeah, first turn magistrate station. Don't hit it. That's 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 worse than hitting a resto first turn. I think can be yeah, unless you can break it. But turn one is not the worst time for hitting restoration anyway, I guess. But um, Sometimes it can be for magistrate station. Yeah. Yeah, I've I've gone the opposite way actually against Nick where I was trying to conserve cards and not push super hard for magistrate station, not realizing how big that advantage is. And it just snowballs over time. So I've I've come to attack it with everything I have if I hit magistrate station and sometimes it works out and other times it doesn't but I think in this specific case there's definitely lessons to be learned because I think there were uh, ways to mitigate hitting it on turn one yeah definitely so if we have new players who have picked the crane clan and they want to learn to get good who are some do you have any resources uh, any notable members clan members that people should look out for maybe videos on YouTube or Twitch to learn from? Um, I think, honestly, most of the games that get streamed from the Discord Cups is probably the best place. Um, there is quite a lot of good grand players playing in there, and you will just recognize them by the fact that they are in the Cup, I guess. Um, I don't think there is that much... Uh, video production going on. Uh, there are some uh, articles and card reviews that you could read on Home of the Crane Clan. Um, I think that's most of the content we have. Besides that, just jump into the Discord channel and ask whatever you're 
wondering about. Okay, great. So uh, we'll put we'll definitely put a link to the uh, Discord matches so people can know where to how to go watch those. Yeah, yeah, we can find good ones. The uh, the Discord league, uh, the signups for next month should be going up uh, relatively soon. So anybody who's interested, uh, we can try to. Uh, if you're not already on there, we can see if we can drop a uh, link to the Discord in the show notes. I'm not sure how much room we have for that, but uh, <clears throat> we can try to do that. And uh, yeah, if people uh, are interested, that is definitely one of the yeah better places to hang out. I mean, everybody hangs out in Crane Chat anyway, so even people who aren't Crane. They say it is one of the better ones, yeah. I haven't really been to any other one, so I wouldn't know. I hung out in Unicorn Chat for a while. It was interesting. <laughs> I went back to Crane. Yeah, I was just telling Nick I was going to join Crane Chat, but he said you guys are uh, policing it a little bit, and they might kick me out. No, no, no. Listen, we welcome everybody. It's just that, like, <laughs> you know, be the change you want to see in the world rather than fleeing to the refuge. But you guys are blue. It is the best. All right, so I think that will wrap it up. I think we got everything. Uh, anything else you want to add here, Eric, or uh, before we go? Um, I'm not sure. Yeah, if you are a beginning player, I would recommend to just um, experiment with the cards, see what works best for you. Um, you know, maybe maybe one thing you could do is look at decks that do well on the internet, but then instead of copying them, just try to remember what you noticed and yeah don't don't waste your cards don't waste your cards good advice uh all right so i think that will do it for this week yeah eric thanks again for joining us really appreciate it yeah thanks for having me and we are back all right hope you guys enjoyed that interview uh johnny and nick did a great job there uh and uh nick did a great yes golf clap indeed uh, Nick also did a great job because he is going. He did just attend the Lebanon uh, Elemental Championship, which was at Black Moon Games, and so we have all of that content, more or less, uh, captured, and we're going to start releasing that. Yeah. So no, no comments on round two. Yeah, round two. Round two is uh, is is in the oblivion. It's it, it has succumbed to the uh, mercy of uh, Thanos and the, uh, the, the Avengers fate, no. right? <laughs> it was, it was the snapped fate, away. The fate of not seeing any one character for more than three minutes. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so, so yes. Uh, so we actually, oh, every, everyone should give Nick a good round of applause here and uh, you can do so, uh, you know, in their privacy <laughs> going home because uh, w- there were supposed to be uh, at least one other person attending that that EC, but he was unable to attend. Yeah. He designed his laptop and we got a lot of great content. So that's going to be coming to you guys soon. Uh, you can find that all on the youtube.com slash C slash Mika Foreman. Is that correct, Eric? I'm sorry. I tuned out because I, Nick is screaming at me in chat, chat about how uh, uh, the Avengers was a good movie. <laughs> it was definitely Nick. better than Venom. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Look, my kids loved it, and we just went and saw Captain Marvel yesterday, so my kids love that too. So I made a comment that that I enjoyed watching Venom the other night, and and Nick was very upset with me. I oh. just I really hate to see you be so wrong in public. <laughs> and now <laughs> you are really just laying, laying them out on the public forum. <laughs> Sorry, uh, what was the question? 
there was no question, actually. We we're just yeah. talking about how great Nick did of a job at the EC. He, he did. He was there all by himself, and he managed to record 90% of these games and did a really good job. <laughs> and um, speaking of, of a lot time, of work. I just wanted to take uh, – it is a lot of work, and um, I wanted to just take a quick second here uh, to address some controversy that has happened on uh, one of our streams uh, over the last few days has been discussed on Facebook. And I don't really want to get into the controversy, but I just wanted to, to say a little bit about what we're doing here. So we've released a ton of video content over the past few weeks uh, as we plan to continue to do so. And our mission is to help grow this community, usher in new players to the game. We obviously love the game enough that we want to, put all this time, money, and effort into, into putting out this content for everybody to enjoy. And there may be times where something occurs on our stream that's beyond our control. And if we're live streaming and we notice something untowards occurring on our stream, we'll try to make an effort to correct mistakes. Uh, but we just wanted to, to disclaim that we're not judges or, or rules experts. And when we are streaming or recording tournaments, we're still leaving that job to the tournament organizers and judges. Uh, so if you do see anything that we missed, we apologize for that, but it, pro it probably will happen. And, um, you know, that's just the nature of the beast. So I just wanted to put that out there. Here, here. Uh, what else? Oh, well, uh, so just going back to uh, recording the Lebanon EC, I need to uh, IO many, many thanks. I, you guys said I did it all by myself. That is not true. Uh, so Casey uh, came up with me uh, and, got up early and met me in Manchester and stayed way later than she needed to, to help me tear everything down. Uh, also, uh, Dave and James were helping me set everything up. So it was, uh, yeah, I, big thanks to them. I really probably could not have done it without them. So cool. Nice. Yeah. Thanks to those, to those guys and gals. Yeah. Thank you. Like that was awesome. Um, so we've already kind of mentioned that we have, uh, up the plans at least to to do some oh no i'm sorry wait wait scratch that johnny talk about this next thing yeah so uh obviously we've we've haven't put out a lot in the podcast arena because we've been doing a lot of video content but we uh our next episode is going to be an episode about deck archetypes we hear a lot of people throwing out words like tempo and aggro and mid mid range and control and i know i've had questions about what all that means so uh, I know Nick and Adam have been around the card scene longer than Eric and I, so they might know what some of that is, but I've been doing some research and we're putting together some notes and we're going to put out an episode where we explain what all those things mean and why you should know about them. And we definitely want input on this. So like if anybody has anything to say, you can reach out to us on Facebook, right? Or Twitter. Twitter at Meekinformant. Yep. We're on Reddit. We're we're all over. We're on. Yeah. Think of a platform. We're on it. You can <laughs> exactly. harass us on there. I don't think we're on like Snapchat. We're not Snapchatting. All right. I am signing up for Snapchat right now, guys. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's what that sounds like. That's, yep, exactly. that's what Snapchat sounds like. <laughs> it does. Um, fun. Yeah. So, but but on that though, it, I really want somebody to ask a question. Let's just like, somebody. Even if you don't have one, make up a question and ask it to us, and not the potato question. Please, not the potato question. <laughs> no. <laughs> what was that? What was it that we posted? This is we're a little, little off the rails here. A little, not so much, but like, hey, what was it that somebody posted? It was I was on vacation, I think. Somebody posted about 
something and I said, if we reach a certain number, I will totally buy somebody a, a mat or something like that, a raffle off a mat. I thought, I thought we had a mat put up there and then I, I said I would raffle it off. I will totally buy a mat and put it off, put it out there as a raffle prize for somebody if they at least submit questions. So if we get more than five questions for this question, for this question, wow. uh, I will. Yeah. If we get at least five questions, uh, five questions asked for the deck archetypes episode, I will raffle off. I will purchase myself one of the meek informant large mats to uh, send out to somebody and I'll, I'll do it all myself, pay for it. So that's, that's my Whoa. challenge to, to the community. Adam doesn't know what that mat cost. <laughs> <laughs> what makes you think that anyone wants that mat, Adam? If they don't, then I don't care. Then, then it doesn't matter. Just, that that's that's, that's true. Get stained, so like, then we're done. We're, it's all yeah. good. I'm going to ask the, can, can I ask the questions? <laughs> yeah, sure. Sure. I, you can. Well, I need five. That's what I'm saying. I need five. Five, all right, all right. a minimum five questions asked. So we I'm need not them expecting this. Uh, across all of our platforms, it just has to be five. So it could be one question from Twitter, one question on, on Facebook. One, uh, uh, do we have an email? We have an email, don't we? Yeah, yeah. yeah. The meet conformant at gmail.com. All right. It's, so, yeah. in our, it's in our outro. See, that's the thing. We got lazy with the outros. Here. Um, that's awesome. Hey, Adam. Way to Thanks, step it Adam. Up. Uh. We'll see. We'll see if we get them. That'll be cool. I was going to say we could raffle yeah. off a meek informant avatar, but or a potato. <laughs> that is so play mats. <laughs> an avatar. <laughs> I, I just can't wait for someone to roll up to the meek informant uh, stream and be like, "Excuse me, I want to use my own playmat." And they put the playmat that I they wanted the raffle on top of the playmat. It's the same playmat that's on top of that. <laughs> that's already there. <laughs> this is a universe that exists that you're describing. Yes. Um, the the other thing, I, I, before we sign off here, I wanted to give a thank you to a couple of podcasts uh, that have mentioned us, which is very cool because I listen to all of, all these podcasts. I'm a little obsessive about it, and I don't really know what I'm doing with my life. I was listening to the Art of Warcast the other day and heard our podcast name. That was cool. And uh, Imperial Host, Coast to Coast. I've been listening to some of those episodes. Uh, and they rattled off our name a couple times and, and suggested that people come listen to us. So that's cool. Uh, they're doing beginner-friendly content as well. They just did a review of all of the cards in um, Children of the Empire. So go check that stuff out. There is a lot of content to, to listen to over there. I, I apologize, uh, Imperial Advisor guys. Uh, no, no, no. Imperial Host, Coast to Coast. I could not get through it all uh, before we recorded this. So um yeah so thank you to those guys for for shouting us out does anybody else have any mentions they'd like to to throw out there uh i'd like to just re re reiterate uh ray from uh dice or death like he's he's been pretty awesome like just streaming stuff like he's sort of like you eric i think i think you and him are like two from the same uh, two peas from the same pod like you guys are just want extra content, as much content as possible. And like Ray is just trying to capture as much content and put it out there. And he's going to be doing our meme wars. Meme, meme, meme wars? Meme, meme, meme wars, wars, yeah. Meme wars, right, you guys? <laughs> <laughs> the, the meme wars. Uh, so yeah, like, like those are the type of people that I think that our community is all about. And so I really want to just put those people up on like a pedestal, like just get them out there. Uh, the New England L5R guys, 
they have been a huge supporter of us and uh, I think people should listen to them. They usually release on Wednesdays, I believe, and they do live Twitch streams and then they release on their Podbean. So you can probably find them pretty easily now on New England L5R or NEL5R. So those are some other other people. We were guests on their show. We were. Yeah, we forgot to mention yes. that. Um, <laughs> I think like two weeks ago, we after after the um, Saga CC, we they asked us to come onto their show and just talk about the podcast, and then review uh, a bunch of talk cards. about cards, yeah, review cards and stuff with them, which is not my forte. Let me tell you, <laughs> I've yeah, said a number of fun. times that that Retsugu is a good card, and Eric tells me yes. <laughs> Look, there are there are people who are very opinionated. And they are not on this podcast. There are people on this podcast who have um, feelings about cards, <laughs> I guess is probably the better way to put it. Feelings. Feelings. Uh, <laughs> but no, I guess my point is there, there, are, there are a lot of people out there who have opinions on, the, on this game. And I think uh, the new NL5R guys, 5R guys, have some very staunch positions <laughs> on stuff. And hey, it may be uh, accurate or not, but it's fun to listen to, right? Right. That's all I gotta say. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, Nick wants to go to bed, so we'll let him go to bed. So sleepy, um, guys. So sleepy. <laughs> all right. Well, thanks for listening to the show, and uh, remember our outro because that's what it is right here. What's our outro? It's uh, what is it? Samurai seldom <laughs> notice peasants. That's it. <laughs> I'm telling you guys, it's too late. We're really professional. So remember, samurai seldom notice peasants. Good night, everyone. Good night, everyone. Samurai <laughs> seldom remember outros. <laughs> yes, Nick, you nailed it. <laughs> You've been listening to The Meek Informant. You can find us on the web at www.facebook.com forward slash the Meek Informant, and can subscribe to our podcast through Google's podcast app, Apple's podcast app via iTunes or Podbean at themeekinformant.podbean.com forward slash feed.xml. Want to continue the conversation about today's topic or any of our other content? We can be reached via our Facebook page or email themeekinformant at gmail.com. We also have a Twitter account, at meekinformant. Our YouTube or Twitch accounts can also be found by searching for The Meek Informant. If you would like to help others find us, please consider writing a review on iTunes or wherever you subscribe to our show. Thanks for listening, and remember, samurai seldom notice peasants. Peasants always notice samurai.